Welcome, MassCast fans. It's Jason and Wyatt back together again, and it's really a, it's not, it's a lot quicker than it was the last time. Uh, we usually go about two weeks, but we actually had a very awesome opportunity come forward, and that is with our special guest, Mike Quackenbush. Uh, he is a mask lover like many of us, so we are, we're not going to delay too much. We're going to get right into the Q&A, but uh, I'm going to throw it over to Jason and, uh, have at it. Well, welcome, Mike. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, long-time listener, first-time guest. Thank you for having <laughs> me. That sounds like me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you uh, being on. For those of you who may not know the Grizzly Bear Egg Cafe podcast, um, I was tagged the other day to check out an episode and um, it was all about Mike's uh, quest, I guess I'll call it, mm-hmm. to uh, to get a comic book series started back up for Mask. And as fate or coincidence would have it, today we get this news story from Newsarama about IDW working on a new Mask comic book series. So uh, it was, I guess, perfect timing for... Mike to come on and to uh, to give us a little bit about his history with the franchise and uh, about the podcast and all his uh, doings. So, uh, Mike, we'll just, I guess, want to start from the beginning there. Uh, how did you uh, get involved with uh, Mask and were you watching it as a kid? Did you have the toys? How did it go from, from the beginning? Yeah, I I was in deep early on. I caught it right when it came on in first run syndication in my hometown. It used to be on Fox 29 in the afternoons when I would come home from school. I had the toys from Kenner. I had the not only the mini comics that came packaged in, you know, Kenner was always great the way they would do that bit of uh, cross promotion by packaging in the mini comics, but I had some of the yes. DC comics, uh, the mini series and then there was like a nine issue ongoing series they mm-hmm. did as well. And uh even tried playing, like, there was some horrible mask video game that my friend had for his Commodore 64, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, right. Where it was, you would never have known it was mask if the sticker didn't tell you. Yeah, so I was in deep from a very young age. Awesome. I guess what kept you, I guess, in contact these many years later, was it, did you hold on to something? Did you have something sitting on VHS uh, that you've been kind of using or did it, was it like a resurgence like i haven't seen it since i was a kid and all of a sudden there's stuff all over the internet what what i guess kept it going or what's re-sparked your interest well before the advent of the internet i was a big uh, tape collector especially of tv series that i felt like my friends didn't remember so if i had it i had a vhs tape actually of the death stone uh, that was sold at like a local Woolworth. I found it in a 99 cent bin. So I held nice. on to this VHS tape and <laughs> nice. I would hang on to a VHS recording I had of Auto Man. I had, you know, just weird oddities. And my friends would say, I don't remember that show at all. And I loved being able to go to my rack of tapes and pull something off and say, No, don't you remember this? We used to watch The Visionaries together. And they would all go, Oh, yes, now we remember. So I was a collector of that sort of thing. I was a, a curator of nerd culture. And Masks sort of stayed alive uh, in my imagination that way. 
But I think something that's fascinated all Mask fans, I bet you guys feel the same way about this. The way Mask just kind of vanished in North America, and unlike Transformers, which came back in other iterations, right? Beast Wars kind of kept it current, and it would come back, and G.I. Joe would come back. There was even like a, I don't know if you remember, but He-Man and the Masters of the Universe came back as like an outer space adventure show for a while. (laughs) Only He-Man and Skeletor were really retained, and the rest of the continuity was all but jettisoned. But Mask just went full stop here in North America. Even though European fans, it stayed popular through the Split Seconds series. I don't know about you guys. I have no memory of Split Seconds. I don't remember seeing it on racks. don't remember seeing it promoted. It's like it didn't exist to North American fans. Well, it wasn't a split second for us. I mean, that's how I took it. <laughs> we, yeah, we didn't even get a split second. <laughs> right, right you are. You know, my personal theory about that is as, as the series is going on and it's becoming increasingly popular in Europe, you know, we became aware of some of the adjustments that they made, right? A couple of the toys got renamed for the European market, like Bulldog, uh, uh, Bulldoze, I think it was the switch. Yes. There was a lot done to cater it toward the growing European audience. And the regulations on European television were a lot more strict than they were here in North America. Uh, To call on some of my other background, uh, I've worked in professional wrestling for the last 23 years. I was an active pro wrestler for 20 of them. And something I can tell you about World Wrestling Federation programming that was broadcast in Europe, there were many countries where it did not meet the regulations and couldn't be aired because it was considered too violent. And I think that contributed heavily to why Mask changed from the uh, counter-terrorist theme, which was similar to G.I. Joe versus Cobra, to the racing theme to better accommodate what the demands were in the European market, where the numbers were very, very strong and stayed strong, even after it departed the North American market. You know, that's that's where Split Seconds got marketed. And then some of these really weird, you know, ladder spinoffs where clearly they're reusing Mask designs or mask toys being repainted and reissuing them under new names it lived on for quite a while afterwards in europe and i think a lot of those concessions were made for the european market that's an interesting theory i hadn't heard that before about the violence issue and uh it that makes sense yeah it does i i would have never even fathomed that was the reasoning why split seconds came to be just uh even even changing the the names up Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the racing series, you know, we haven't quite got there yet in our uh, reviewing on MassCast, but I don't know. It's It just seems like there was some change in thinking that, you know, would make uh, Kenner back then or Deke or whoever, you know, was behind the whole series um, just, just kind of switch on a light and say, nope, we're going this way. Well, you know, at the time in the United States, a, a syndication order was 65 episodes. So at least as it related to the American market, they had satisfied what, the, what their agreement was to all, all, you know, all their broadcast partners, right? Because that first sure. run is the 65 episodes. The, the racing series are like the, that weird 10 that get tacked on the end. And that, to me, too, feels like a concession to the European market. They'd already satisfied their agreement to their American partners. Why these extra 10? I mean, we could speculate all day. I'm telling you a little bit of my personal theories about it. But, um, (laughs) yeah, it it very much feels like a bizarre addendum. And thinking a little bit about what would Mask look like uh, in in a comic book in 2016, the reality of the racing series is, and, and I kind of envy you if you haven't gotten there yet, they are the 10 most painful episodes of the series, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you can't ignore that. 
You also can't ignore the continuity from Kenner's mini comics or what was printed by DC or any of the other continuity out there. Like you, you must acknowledge all of it. You can't just choose, uh, you know what? Like the racing series didn't exist as much as I might love to pretend it doesn't. (laughs) We can't make that, that choice. And so, you know, a lot of that I think really needs to be considered very, very carefully, especially now on the heels of today's newsarama post. Right. Right. I agree. And yeah, we've kind of discussed that before on the show, and uh, you know, Mask not having an origin in the in the cartoon series, but it's right there in the in the mini comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is some inconsistencies like that, but we're we're not about to throw out you know <laughs> the entire racing series yet. I know there's some regular episodes that I wish would never been uh, produced, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Panda Power comes to mind. <laughs> I know uh, that one's notorious for me for uh, for getting a low rating. But anyway, um, I guess transition a little bit into how you came up with some stories or ideas for a new comic book series. Well, before I was a professional wrestler and before I was a podcaster, I was a writer. And uh, over the years, I've had the opportunity to do lots of writing. I've put out six or seven books. I've written hundreds of articles for, for magazines. Um, I, I love to write. I'm very, very passionate about writing. It, it, it's a great release, a great escape, a great catharsis for me. And it, it continues even in my work in professional wrestling, which is you know kind of a, a, a fictional narrative that's played against this context of the illusion of conflict. So mm-hmm. uh, it carries right through. But because of the abrupt way that Mask left my life. And it, it was my favorite thing as a kid. It, it, it trumped all the other major 80s properties. I liked it more than He-Man or Transformers or G.I. Joe or any of the other heavy hitters from the 1980s. And then it was just very abruptly gone. And um, it really happened in one season in my neighborhood. They were gone off the toy shelves. There was a, there was a toy store I used to visit with my grandparents where I, I knew exactly where the mask toys would be. I would run to it every time we would go there. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a store called Jetco. Later it was renamed Wes Friedman. Uh, I would sprint down that toy aisle to where the mask toys were. And it was just gone from television. It just vanished altogether. So I kind of held on to that. You know, like I said in the beginning, I felt like I was the curator of nerd culture for my friends. And I didn't want to let it go. And uh, it seemed to me, uh, maybe at the end of the 90s, the early 00s, there was this big resurgence of the 80s properties in the world of comic books. Uh, And I'm a lifelong comic book fan. So I was reading these wonderful comics about Transformers, G.I. Joe. Um, Battle of the Planets came back out. Uh, It was printed with these gorgeous Alex Ross painted covers. Thundercats was back. And I just kept thinking, where's Mask? Where's my favorite? Why, Why are all these other ones? And some of these, to me, what seemed like fairly minor ones, why is anybody caring about Silverhawks? Where's Mask? <laughs> um, no one wants the Brave Star graphic novel. Can we all agree on that? Uh, yes. yes. Like, <laughs> Amen. Preacher, where's brother. Mask? <laughs> uh, and so I think probably mostly in my pig-headedness, I thought, I'm going to write it myself. Um, and so I've done a number of drafts over the years. And then uh, very, very recently, uh, you know, right, right in time with you guys, when your podcast came out about um, Hasbro had renewed the, uh, the copyright. So I'd kind of followed along like w- the, uh, the legal struggle or sometimes, you know, they call it development hell that mask right. was sold to Tonka uh, or mask Kenner in general was sold to Tonka. Then Tonka was sold to Hasbro in the nineties. Like, where did it keep going? How did it keep moving along? And um, something I ended up having to learn 
in my role as uh, the founder of a pro wrestling company is a little bit about licensing. I had to learn about music licensing. Um, in my journey to do this, I actually ended up becoming friends with Stan Bush, who you may oh, know. Nice. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, he sings two of the most famous Transformers songs, The yes. Touch and yes. Dare. And uh, he has a really overlooked and wonderful solo catalog as well. So Stan ended up becoming uh, a friend of mine and getting to learn about music licensing made me realize if I want to do this properly, and I don't want to go just make some bootleg mask thing, if I want to do it properly, I need to get the blessing of Hasbro and I need to acquire the license that gives me the right to make a comic book with this property that they own. But I would get nowhere calling Hasbro's legal department. Uh, they, they're used to dealing with corporations. They're, you know, they're dealing with giant publishers. Right. One crazy guy calling up the legal department asking to get a quote on a one-year license to do a mass comic book, especially when at the time that was a property that was just ice cold to them. People wouldn't even return my calls. I would leave voicemails. I would get nowhere. Uh, I would get emails that were just sent back with like a form response like, uh, thanks for you know, reaching out to Hasbro for future inquiries. Call us at this 800 number. I got nowhere. So even over the years, I've done numerous drafts and revised this um, plot of mine to revive mask in comic book form. By and large, I got nowhere with it. It, it was very, very frustrating. And I'm sure especially to other Mask fans like the two of you and to everybody listening to Mask Cast, we know what that frustration is like being a Mask fan. Like, would you throw us a little morsel here? Like, the, the fish right. in the tank are dying to be fed. Will someone put Mask... so long. <laughs> right? I, I, I mean, I'm sure we all thought about that as the 30-year anniversary passed. Um, it was certainly fresh on my mind. I went to RetroCon in Oaks and got to meet Doug Stone. And he was wearing. We a, were there. Yeah, I'm amazed we didn't bump into each other, guys. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, this coming year we will. Um, <laughs> but just meeting him at the time, he had on a 30 year anniversary mask T-shirt, and it really hit me. Like, wow, uh, you know, this thing has been out of circulation, at least here in the North American market, for an unbelievable amount of time. And yet there are still people, just like you, Jason, and you, Wyatt, and me, that are passionate about this. And uh, so the news today. Uh, was very, very exciting, but uh, I, I'll tell you straight up, it does not come as a surprise to me. I had been doing a bit of detective work after it became clear that Hasbro had already licensed out Mask to be made uh, this year into a comic book, and it was very clear that IDW does all the Hasbro properties. So that right. kind of already was leading me in that direction, and on, on Monday this week, I launched my social media campaign, hashtag Mask Crusade, and less than 24 hours later came the Newsarama announcement. So um, whether that's a coincidence, uh, an interesting confluence of events, I don't know. But um, yeah, an interesting time to be a Mask fan. It is. And uh, we actually have uh, Jason to thank with the motivation of that 30th anniversary Yep. Shirt. Uh, he he said, "Hey, we got to do something when, to make ourselves stand out at the, the RetroCon." Mm -hmm. And one of the gifts we gave to Doug was that shirt, uh, oh. as well as well as the uh, autographed eight by tens. That was all Jason, and it was kind of comical because we, if you've listened to any of the past podcasts mm -hmm. or mass casts, you, you'll hear as it felt like we were his managers, kind of, <laughs> right? Because we came in prepped to give him these eight by tens to sign uh we gave him some pamphlets to, uh, of ourselves uh, boulderhill.net and matttracker.com to kind of just keep the community going and just have something like a talking point or something for for doug and and whomever and it uh it was just 
I tell you what, he he initially came in with a little tiny, uh, what was it, the the button mm-hmm. that had the mask, and that was the only like parting gift he kind of had when he was done doing the voice voiceover work for for. Uh, for Deke. Yeah, Deke. I was trying to think Kenner, and I know that wasn't right. But <laughs> nonetheless, it, he, you know, he was very grateful of, of, about the whole situation, uh, how he came to be. Uh, that was his first real groundwork, and it just ejected like a like a great career for him and his mm-hmm. crew. Yeah. But like I said, like you pointed out, there's passion there. And there's such passion with us to to get masks somehow on the scene. Initially, it was motivated by our, our, our you know, I'll call it selfish greed. I'll, I'll, I won't be sugarcoated. <laughs> you know, we wanted to see the the, the money, the, the script money. Or, hey, just buy our script. We don't care what the fee is, you know, kind of thing. And then it materialized into, you know what, this is deeper than monetary. This, it's all, it's all fan-driven. It now. is now. Yeah. And that's, I think, what, what kept us and keeps us going because you know for what two years we were kind of after the fact after we got things started we're kind of i'll say virtually looking at each other since we live in completely different states that we're like man what are we doing what do we need to do and that's when we kind of bumped heads and said you know what let's let's turn it into a community agents of mask came to be and it was really fan driven and that's what's kept us our drive going and i'm sure that's where you get your inspiration is seeing what's out there seeing the fans of whether it's uh the other mask fan sites or what you see on the internet what you read about i'm sure that's where you get some of your inspiration and your your motivation to like you said to, to start this comic book uh, just to keep the fire burning really yeah, you're exactly right. Like, I want to stay connected to this thing that I've loved since my childhood. And uh, that was one way for me to do it. Um, I remember w- when I worked on the very first draft of the story that I kind of envisioned being a three-issue arc, uh, I was a subscriber to the Boulder Hill mailing list. Nice. Uh, I used to get, like, the weekly digest would turn up in my inbox of what everybody was talking about, whether, you know, like, where do I get replica labels to put on my Thunderhawk because the ones I have are sun-bleached to, you know, this is how I made my custom Gloria Baker figure, you know, all kinds of great stuff mm-hmm. used to go around in there. And some of these websites, right, which have stood forever, like matttracker.com or Al- Albert Pinello's um, that have just been around yes. forever and ever as these mask resources, these lonely kind of lighthouses in the darkness, like, we're still out there. You know, we are still out there. The mask fans are just waiting. We're just hanging around for you to get around to us. We know you'll get here sooner or later. And I don't mind divulging a little bit uh, about it. In fact, you can't stop me from talking about it, guys. But, um, (laughs) you know, seeing some of the promotional imagery that's come out, uh, whether it was like in trade publications, you know, a couple years ago, this very like Detroit police looking mask iteration came out. It was like a pinup. Yes, that yes. was all, all but unrecognizable to to mask fans like us. Like, w- what is this reimagining? It really felt like a an infusion of RoboCop or Knight Rider like ideas into into mask. Or even like recently at that investor conference call where they slapped up what was clearly just a, a badly photoshopped Gosh, yes. uh, image from other you know intellectual property that Hasbro owns that at least for a while had people in a tailspin. Like, is this what mask is going to look like when it comes back? <laughs> 
I think we must accept that in the same way that Hasbro reinvented Transformers. And, and look, we've got a giant movie franchise. Um, two, two of the movies in that franchise are among the highest grossing films of all time. Even though their Rotten Tomatoes score and critical acclaim probably couldn't be any lower. Uh, those Michael Bay Transformers films made huge bank for the studios. And then right. for Hasbro as well, who owns the license. And this new version of G.I. Joe that's on the big screen does not recall any of G.I. Joe, a real American hero that I grew up loving. Um, you know, I love the animated series and I fervently read the comic book by Larry Hama. Um, I tell you what, a couple years ago, I had the chance to have lunch with Larry Hama and pick his brain about storytelling for ensembles. And uh, my my skin got goosebumps just feeling that closely connected <laughs> to somebody who really crafted a lot of my childhood. It was a very exciting thing. So you must accept this. Um, and, and we know this is coming for Mask. Like we might want to pretend that it's not, but there will be the 2016 version of Mask when this finally takes the stage. And my story's not about that at all, nor could it be. I have no insight other than that same weird pinup we all saw in the badly photoshopped image from the slideshow that we all saw. Right. Um, I have no knowledge of that, nor could I. So what I want to do is something that's very fitting to uh, the Mask crew that I knew from the 80s. And where are they at now? What's happened to them? Like, what the day after the racing series ended, what happened? Where did those guys and girls go? Um, and what is it like for them now, having aged a bit and seeing where the world is at? And is there reason for there to be mask? Does Venom even exist anymore? And what do those things look like? And how can we make it relevant and not written for boys 8 to 12, which is what mask was aimed at? Um, but to the sophisticated comic book readers that are still reading G.I. Joe from IDW, that are still reading Transformers. And, you know, IDW puts out a lot of titles that are based right on, you know, the properties from our youth. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Gem and the Holograms, uh, yes. the real Ghostbusters. So uh, I think that's, that's kind of their milieu. I see it as a good fit. And if for no other reason than if I'm going to see this thing make it to the light of day, I must make IDW publishing my tag team partner. They do have the rights to do this. I'm not interested in doing some kind of knockoff or bootleg or, you know, off the radar type of thing. If somebody took the things I've created as a creator at, at Chikara and just made their own bootleg version of it, I'd be furious. I'd feel insulted by that. And I wouldn't want to do that to the people that made this property that I love so much. And uh, I want to do right by them and most of all, right by the awesome audience that Mask still has because you and me are all part of that fan base. Well said. Yes, very well, well said. said. I mean, it's been, well, when we first started going back into the script, you know, that was kind of a, a way to keep in touch with each other cross country. When was that, Why 2007. Yes. You know, and that was still, what, <laughs> nearly 20 years removed mm -hmm. from yeah. when Mask left us, we'll say. And... You know, it took it took us a few years to write, and then you know, fast forward to now, almost ten years later, and and now we were in that mode of, all right, so what are they going to do? Are they going to screw this up? <laughs> are they going to are they going to do it right? You know, because there is a chance, and you know, going back to like what we did last year at RetroCon. Um, I, I was sending out emails to Hasbro before. Are you going to, you know, can you give us any information on, are you doing anything for the 30th anniversary? And nothing. I actually got an email back from them uh, a couple weeks after RetroCon when we were going to do this 30th anniversary panel. 
and oh thank you for remembering it's the 30th anniversary and we have many properties we're working with at this time and you know just stay tuned that was that kind of a tone mm-hmm. and i was like this mask has a real chance to do something i don't say equal but similar to what deadpool just did and it's all kind of uh driven by the fans and the fans got what they wanted um if hasbro if idw anybody involved with mask will just open their ears to the fans let us somehow get involved with the creative you know we can do this right and this can become like you said right up there with some of these other movies that have made money it's not going to top transformers it probably won't even top gi joe i mean it could but if it's done right and if it's what we remember it will relate to the the kids of this age and the dads right which is where we're at i think both now i mean Wyatt at least um we want something to uh to feed our longing to get mask on the big screen or in a comic book um but it still has that it still has that power somehow with the if we get it more toys that just relates to kids as well so I hear what you're saying with the I definitely want something that's written to us and not to 10 year old boys right. mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time I, I still think there's some kind of transcendence there uh, among the generations so to speak mm-hmm. that uh, that will that will make mass great again so uh, just give me your opinion I guess on what IDW or or even kind of what where you're going with this should they should they give us a new kind of origin story? You think we'll get something that will be uh, kind of alongside this new multi-property universe project? What do you think about that, Mike? Well, I think we may see more than one thing. Um, no doubt Hasbro, to an extent, because this is their intellectual property, will dictate to Hasbro, you know, we want something along these lines. And my guess is... Because they had this interconnected cinematic universe, which um, the, the, fir- the first thing I was listening to after that news broke were, were you guys on MassCast about it. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and I was a fan of the Visionaries. Uh, I don't have a, a strong connection to either ROM or the Micronauts. But uh, when that news broke, uh, I think it became evident if they are going to try and hurry this along, right, they want to be able to match up to the way that uh, they're expanding Star Wars into these other films. Of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is obviously a blueprint that all the other studios now are beginning to mimic. Um, what I think this opens the door for is more than one interpretation of Mask. There will be the new version of Mask, whatever it is that Hasbro has been developing these last couple years. And I don't doubt for a moment that they've got very specific directives that will be given to the uh, editors at IDW about how this is to be brought to the public for the first time. But just like Gen 1 Transformers, there remains an audience out there that uh, loves those characters. And that's how I feel about 80s Mask. I'm, I'm passionate about that family of characters. And I suspect that they will largely be ignored in this new Mask universe. So what I'm hoping for is that it, it creates an opportunity. 
if this exact version of it is not being dealt with, we know that the license is broad enough, right? Look at what they've done with Transformers at IDW. You're seeing all different types of iterations of Transformers mm-hmm. represented in comic book form. You've even got Larry Hama contributing to G.I. Joe once again after all these years. So you see some stuff out there that's very true to the uh, versions of these properties we remember from our childhood. And you see versions that more closely mirror what's going on right now. Whether it's, you know, the version of Transformers that we see on uh, the hub, uh, or I'm not sure if Hasbro still calls it the hub, but whatever their cable network is, what you're seeing Mm -hmm. in the movies, I likewise think there is room uh, for a nod to the classic version of these. And my hope is that that's not particularly a priority for either Hasbro or IDW. However, if they heard a compelling story... um, they might be willing to consider, hey, look, we've already got the license to be doing Mask and everything that falls underneath that piece of IP. Uh, why not? Uh, because gotcha. I feel very, very confident whatever it is that they're working on will only support this new shared cinematic universe, which represents a multi-billion dollar gamble for all the people involved, from Hasbro to the movie studios to the distributors and to all their partners, which does include IDW. Yeah, I I agree. I'm kind of along the lines that they shouldn't go. They they shouldn't try to go over the top, big budget to start with. Start with the basics. You know, put in some effects when you need it. Be more practical with the cars and and everything that you need. I don't know. I'm I'm maybe I'm being uh, selfish or whatever, but I would like to see more along the lines of. Uh, maybe like Fast and the Furious or something where you get a lot of action. And I think Mask would best be driven by the action, not necessarily by the character. So even if they don't get all the characters that we love in there, and like you said, they probably won't. I mean, some people might think they're a little racist if they mm-hmm. <laughs> right. they brought in all of these nationalities and, and just the way that is handled. It, it just can't be – I don't think it can be done. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, but still, I you know we've got to have Matt, and we've got to have a Miles Mayhem, a, a strong you know villain character. Yes. Um, have fun with it. That's what I want them to do. Have some fun with it. Make it you know in the forty, fifty million dollar range if you can, and and don't put all your eggs you know out there right away. Let the let the fans come. Make it something that's that's worthy of what we remember. And the fans will come, and then they, you know, then you get your uh, your sequels, and you can you can do a lot more, bring a lot more characters in and vehicles and all that. But um, that's that's one of my theories. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else do you got, Wyatt? Well, you know, like like Jason said, our script was uh, really a beginner, and you've pro- I know you've heard our our mask cast uh, enough to know that our our basis was to try to be modernized with it, but yet have the reach back to the 80s like we did you know uh, mm. we gave venom a humble start with basically all the 80s cars minus switchblade mask has all the cool updated cars we start out with the first generation thunderhawk and we total it um basically but uh i guess i'm trying to what i'm trying to get at is in your comic book is it in that kind of line set is it is there a touch back to the 80s like you kind of indicated or is there more of a are you trying to go for a, the the broader range i guess I'm, I'm just trying to feed off of exactly what where you were going with your 
generation. Well, That's the right word I'm tr- trying to think of, the generation. I, I want to bring forward everything as much as possible from the comics and from the animated series into now. That's kind of what interests me. I see. Um, like, why, why did they disappear? And what's happened in the intervening years? Are, are they still friends? Do, do all the mask agents still get together and have coffee? Do they, do they talk to one another? Are they all still alive? Uh, what's happened to them? And the way the world has changed, uh, most irrevocably, right, in a post-9-11 world, what does mask represent? Anything? Is there need for a mask? Um, but at no point would I want to, uh, as I said at the very beginning, you cannot jettison any of the existing continuity. That drives me nuts as a comic book fan. Those kind of soft reboots, like somebody's pushing the restart button, and they say, you know what, mm. I'm just going to start telling this all over again from the beginning the way I want to tell it, to me dishonors the pre-existing continuity. Right. Um, what's interesting about Mask and I think this is probably something you would want to explore, too, in your screenplay, is the origin is never really clearly told. You get these bits about, oh, well, you know, what is it, Matt Tracker's father, but then sometimes Andy's his brother, and they found this stone that charges the masks, and it never runs out of energy. I, I'd right. like to know more about that. <laughs> What's up with that? Who's, right. <laughs> who's keeping that rock? Where is it now? Um, right. Like, all those kind of questions beg to be asked, which... When Mask came on and I was nine years old, none of that crossed my mind. But if I picked up a if yeah. I picked up a Mask comic book now, you've got to make some kind of accounting. How do you make sense of all this weirdness? Um, and that's what I want to do. And I want to do it in a three issue series that also pulls them into now, so that if people discover this and say this thing is awesome, I barely remember this from my childhood, but this is really gripping that the door is open to continue to play with those characters. And it can be done independent of whatever the new version that we all know is inevitably coming for Hasbro that matches up with their GI Joe movies. Um, you know, we've all heard the same rumors. Matt tracker is going to have a cameo in the next GI Joe movie. Obviously just a couple of years ago when the Matt tracker action figure came out and they very neatly retconned all of mask into GI Joe's universe. This is an inevitability. Is it not? And it's not like the themes aren't there. You can draw obvious allegories between mask and GI Joe and Cobra and venom. Like it's not right. hard, yeah. but I don't want any of that stuff from the 80s that I loved to be lost. That's key to my story. Uh, I wanted to play like if uh, you watched the 75 episodes and then you took a time machine 30 years in the future and watched episode 76. Gotcha. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody from IDW will be listening to this podcast and like it as well. That'd be nice. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, but, the, like, the production just... staff for the screenplay, you know. Heck. <laughs> but that's where the community comes in. Like everyone True. listening to this loves Mask the same way that the three of us do. And I, I, I know just from looking at the way it went down on Monday, the vast majority of social media traffic that was aimed at the IDW publishing Twitter was on the heels of my hashtag Mask Crusade. The volume could not be ignored, and that's what I need to keep up. I need, I need to keep the volume up at such a level that it cannot be ignored until eventually somebody there goes, what's going on with this thing? Our entire social media feed is filled with this hashtag mass crusade business. What is this about? Uh, I believe in the power of social media, and I also believe in my story, and, and this is my passion project. Like I'm just not going to go quietly off into my good night after three or four days of trying. I'm going to keep knocking on that door till somebody answers. 
<laughs> well, we definitely wish you the best of luck. Yes. Um, we've hit some of the same dead ends that you have, and Wyatt has pressed on more than me with the screenplay. But I don't know. There's still something to be said about passion projects like we both carry, and I know several other fans carry uh, screenplays as well. And you just go out on DeviantArt. Go out on there sometime and look. Just search Matt. Search Matt Tracker. And, and just see all the creative people out there. We have people posting uh, dioramas of scenes from the cartoon onto our Facebook page. You know, we have uh, uh, Karsten who just hosted this giveaway of this uh, spectrum mask that you could essentially wear in a full cosplay costume if you wanted to. So there's there's so many creative and passionate fans out there. And if Hasbro or whoever their uh, their licensing uh, mask two would would just give a little survey of the fans um i, I think it would do uh, so much for the uh, entire community yes and again you know we wish you the best of luck because we can hear the passion in your voice to get this uh get this done well thanks but uh we definitely appreciate your time um do you want to take a minute to let everybody know where they can find you Sure. Please jump onto Twitter. I'm at Mike Quackenbush. One big word. It's spelled the way you think it's spelled, unless you think it's spelled Quakenbush. It's spelled <laughs> Quackenbush. Uh, I could certainly use your support with my uh, social media campaign, hashtag Mask Crusade. And I've been aiming that at IDW Publishing, all one word, as we said earlier. Those are the guys that have the rights to publish the Mask comic book. So I must partner with them if I want to see this thing come to the light of day. Uh, I'm the director of fun at a pro wrestling organization that's often described as a comic book come to life. It's Chikara. So please check us out at ChikaraPro.com. We tour about half the United States and the UK. I'd love to see if we come to your neck of the woods. You might be interested to know there's a point of intersection between Chikara and the world of mask. Uh, our very first pay-per-view was named after a mask episode. Episode 73 is High Noon. Nice. Uh, and the theme from that is an homage to the mask theme sung by Stan Bush. So uh, check that out. You can see it on YouTube. Uh, in fact, we just reposted it uh, on the heels of my mask crusade. Uh, a lot of love to mask shown by us at Chikara. No doubt because I love mask. And I, I want to share this little story with you on the way out. When I was uh, 12 or 13 years old, uh, there was a snow day in my neighborhood. And uh, my best friend and co-host of the Grizzly Bear Egg Cafe, Clayton Morris and I, we trekked down uh, to a friend's house to play board games on this snow day that we had. Uh, my friend's name was Dave, and we were playing Stratego and Empire and these kind of games. And at some point, he said to me, I want to show you something in my garage. And so we went out, and in this single-car garage, there was this huge painter's tarp that was covering a vehicle. And uh, I thought, what is, what is this? Why is it hidden under a tarp? And he said, this is my dad's pride and joy. And I want to show you what it is because I think it's really cool. And he pulled the tarp off, and underneath was a blue 57 Chevy. Nice. Which, if not for the lack of flames, it was identical to Hurricane. <laughs> and my eyes about fell out of my head. I said, that's Hurricane. I don't know if you know what that is, Dave. But that's Hurricane from Mask. 
Uh, I used to love riding my bike past his house and I would peek in through the windows of his garage to get a glimpse at Hurricane from time to time. Uh, in all these weird little ways, Mask has always stayed with me throughout my life. And I know that if I can rally enough support online from the Mask community, that it will be possible to get the attention of IDW. And this thing of mine, which I know sounds really crazy, right? We all know somebody who's tried something like this. Um, with a little bit of help from great agents of Mask like you, I know I can get this done. I will see it through. Um, so please, your support means a lot. And thanks, guys. Uh, for letting a fan of the mass cast come on and be your guest. <laughs> Thank you. It's yes, been a you're very welcome. And uh, someday you'll have your hurricane. And meanwhile, we're going to have our uh, 85 Camaro I rock with the gull wing doors and we'll go cruising down the strip <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at the, at the uh, movie premiere. There you go. <laughs> right on. That's where our meetup will be boys. <laughs> That's what it'll be. Well, it was great to speak with you, Mike. Uh, it, I wish we would have met at RetroCon last year and, uh, and shared some stories, but uh, we'll leave that for next year. And uh, again, best of luck to you. We'll post all of your uh, social media links in the uh, show notes so people can go over there and follow you. And uh, we'll try to get IDW on board with, uh, with your idea. So appreciate your time again, Mike. Guys, yes, thank, thank you, you so much. And Wyatt, thanks as always for... Uh, partner up with me hey anytime this has been a, a great time again thank you mike for coming on thank you jason for doing the legwork and thanks for getting an awesome mask cast fan onto our podcast it's always a pleasure to have someone that has just as much passion as we do about mask and to to share their their vision whatever it is whether it's uh, the comic book or script like us or just uh, the many entities that they do with their crafts and such. So on behalf of Jason, I'm Wyatt and thank you for joining MassCast. Cast.